Hello, this is Laura Camacho, the communication coach at McSonian Institute, and welcome to the Speak Up podcast. And today, our special guest is Trisha Gaberty, who works at Equifax, which is based in Atlanta, but Trisha is in Charleston. And she is a senior marketing officer for their marketing capability. Trisha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Why don't you tell uh, our audience a little bit about your background? Because I know you have an interesting uh, career in financial services. Even before Equifax, you were with top uh, financial services companies up in New York. So tell us about yourself. Absolutely. First of all, thanks so much, Laura, for inviting me. Um, thrilled to be here and having this conversation with you and your listeners today. So my background, you're right. I've always been a career marketer and um, typically within the financial services world. Um, so I headed up uh, marketing for North America for HSBC. I was part of the customer marketing team at MasterCard, led loyalty and retention for a portfolio at Citibank. Um, but more recently, I've turned to the world of data and I lead a really fantastic team of marketers through Equifax. Uh, we have three capabilities within Equifax, aside from the, the credit bureau part, which is risk marketing and fraud, and I run the marketing for the marketing track. So yes, I am delighted to say that you know, for, for the first time in my career, I'm able to lead a team um, based out of Charleston myself, while the company is, as you said, located in Atlanta. Uh, I do have a virtual team. And I have to say that on and off in the past 10 years, I've either been part of or have led a virtual team, which has challenges and amazing opportunities as well. It's so, so true. And, and I think vir virtual teams is surprising to me when I coach people from large companies that have buildings named after them, you know, like your MasterCard or an Equifax or Capital One, Warner Brothers. And yet these big, famous, uh, the companies that we all hear about, they also have, not only do they have people working in these buildings that have their names on them, but they have a lot of people working from home, which is great. The, the outcomes are, uh, according to research, very positive as far as both productivity and, you know, job satisfaction for the most part, but the challenges are definitely there. I think you have to just orient your communication a little bit differently when you don't see people every day, you know, you don't run into them. Why don't we start off by, why don't, I like to ask people about a challenging conversation they once had and that they probably have locked it out of their memories for a number of years <laughs> because of the pain involved. But I want to hear about it because I uh, we like to hear like what went wrong to help us understand our own, like our own problems with communication or issues. And uh, so tell us, is there some kind of challenging conversation that you could share with us? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure there are several, but one does pop to mind. Um, and as I was thinking about it just prior to, to, to this conversation, I was thinking about how um, how wonderful and valuable it would have been to have you in my ear back then. So this, <laughs> this particular challenging conversation was um, I was working for a, a large international bank a few years ago, and it was a situation where I was in the marketing function 
but reporting up into the line of business. So the CEO who ran this part of the business in the bank, um, but I also had a dual reporting into the CMO in London. Um, and the challenge there was that neither of them saw eye to eye. So as mm. the person that had to serve two masters, it was often very challenging because you had a business banker, you know, leading the, the bank who had no appetite or understanding of marketing um, mm-hmm. and therefore thought me and my team were kind of, you know, unnecessary evil. And then I had a boss <laughs> sitting in London saying, well, you need to prove the value of marketing to him. And if there are any marketers listening, you know, um, th- there's always that that kind of skeptic skepticism around what, what marketing can bring to an organization. And certainly there's a lot of value to be had there. But when you have two leaders who are not seeing eye to eye and you need to sort of be the persuasive coach in between, that was challenging. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will share here, didn't go too well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as much as I tried to tell, you know, you felt like being between divorcing parents. So as much as I was trying to tell the mom that, hey, <laughs> he's not interested, and trying to convince him of the value that we could bring, right, to sales and supporting right. this. Um, you know, they were both squared off, and, and I, I know that my boss was disappointed in me, and she felt that I should have been stronger and better uh, articulating the value of marketing. And frankly, you know, there may have been absolutely some co- coaching tips that I would have benefited from. Um, but he was a tough nut, and she ended up flying across the pond and, finding out for herself that he, that he was a pretty obstinate, obstinate fellow. Um, you know, it, it, it all sort of worked its way out. My budget got slashed, but, you know, we remained in the game, so to speak, and, and we were able to go on and, and build better business, you know, relationships and whatever. But it does stick in my mind because I know how difficult that that can be. And, yes. and between those two types of parties, that's a, that's a challenge. <laughs> That's so true, and it, it's interesting. I hear so many times when people are in the matrix organization structure <laughs> that one one of their bosses is mom, and one of the bosses is dad, and mom and dad are fighting. And uh, it's interesting, you know, without really knowing more details about this situation, uh, it sounds like the business leader, you know, a, a lot of times somebody of high rank in the organization doesn't accept <laughs> Uh, certain messages from below his or her level. And so, you know, it could be that no matter what you said about how important marketing was, he wasn't going to receive that because you were his subordinate and that he had to hear it from someone at his level in the organization. But Mm -hmm. always, uh, one of the things I'm sure you'll agree that in any kind of professional career, Part of your job is doing your work, and part of your job is selling the value. It just things are so complex that uh, we it's become an unspoken and invisible task that successful leaders do is that they do convince people. They're constantly giving these value nudges of look what we did, or sometimes even this problem we avoided it. But I, I know you must have felt it's uncomfortable when you want to, to please your boss and do something and it just seems like you're hitting hitting a wall there. I think it was a situation where she or somebody of higher rank had to go over there and talk to the guy because I don't think he would have received that message from you. 
as I tell people, communication skills solves a lot of things, but getting messages across that people don't want to hear is it, it, challenging. It's, yes. And, and yes. he, he, he went yeah, he went so far as to tell me, tell her not to come. <laughs> I don't think oh, you really? can tell your boss not to come. So, yeah, it, it was an interesting time for sure. But you hit on an interesting note, um, and I'm sure you have a blog or, or a podcast on this somewhere um, in your library. And that is about kind of sharing the value, look at what we did. And I think a lot of us are also challenged with how do you not – how do you showcase what you and your team have done without it coming across as boasting, sort of, sort of braggadocio? And I think that that's also, I've, I've never been very strong at kind of, you know, bragging, if you will, about my work. And yet there are some who I think have an art in their communication skills where they, they can just very eloquently sort of put themselves on a pedestal with the work that they've done. And I think that that's, it's very important to do that and to do it in the way that it does not come across as sort of obnoxious or grandstanding, but rather demonstrating that value and demonstrating the work. So I think that that's a communication skill that I know I could certainly uh, certainly use. Well, I happen to know that you're an introvert, and that's an introvert <laughs> uh, <laughs> issue. <laughs> and because extroverts don't even think about it, they're like, of course, you want to know how great I am and what wonderful things my team did and it's the perception there that uh, somebody's thinking that what by bragging because a lot of times what's going on in the introvert brain is that oh this is so obvious yes we saved the day but duh anybody in my position would have done it or you know I have a great mm. team it wasn't just me but it needs to be articulated and because everybody's so distracted and as we're, you know, discovering and as you are experiencing, the people aren't even seeing you every day so that you could say in an offhand way, oh, this meeting went really well or this client just signed on for extra services. If you're not seeing people on an everyday basis, then those casual opportunities to mention an accomplishment or a value add are more difficult. But you have to, you know, intentionally bring them up and that just feels slimy in the beginning but I I think you would find that people other people that the ickiness is in your head is in the speaker's head that fear of bragging bragging the people that ask that question have no fear have are never going to come across as bragging because they have that self-awareness it's the people that never ask that question that come across as annoying braggarts because it doesn't cross their mind that somebody would not want to hear. Right, uh, that they're not uh, interested. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, and I think, um, you know, well, you talk about being remote and being virtual, and I think that there is an opportunity even through email, right, to demonstrate. So yeah, I'm part of the senior management team, and I think that that opens up a door, you know, because there, we share different things, articles, team news, et cetera, among ourselves. and. You know, having, having that as a platform to also say, hey, I just want to draw your attention to something that we just pulled together to support sales and, you know, how it worked out. And I think if it's, if it's served up appropriately, it can accomplish mm -hmm. exactly what you're saying. It can demonstrate the value and reflect well on the team without having it come out, look, you know, come out looking like, a, you know, look at us, we're so great. So I think that right. that's important. Right. And, and something that I have recommended to leaders like yourself is to put out, your own personal 
almost like a newsletter, but without the formatting. Does when team wins, and these are the what we're you know these are our priorities, what we need help with. Just a simple um, message weekly or monthly or every other week, you know, depends on the size of the organization. Is a way to let people know what's going on. Another way, because remember, if you study communication as a professional, you learn that you have to say things or repeat the message multiple times for, pe for it to register. But then somebody who hasn't learned that, you think, well, I already told them. They should know. <laughs> I hate repeating right. myself. Mm -hmm. But they probably weren't listening that carefully the first time you mentioned it. But I, I, I think distributed teams, uh, the real key to effective communication is just being more structured about it. Like, what do you do to let people know, like, if you're having your, your team meeting, like, to give them a chance to have personal chit-chat? Do you, ha do you do anything where you find out what's going on with their dog or their kids or oh, anything like that? Absolutely. And another, another great point, because, again, as I stated at the beginning, I've been either a part of or have led virtual teams on and off in 10 years. And, and the first time, you know, nine, ten years ago, it was not quite as common as it is now. And mm -hmm. I was part right. of a consulting team. Yeah, I was part of a consulting team and there were about twenty two of us spread across the United States. And what we instituted was we did a monthly brown bag lunch, we did a monthly happy hour and especially in things like that. so the, the monthly you know brown bag lunch you 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 know, everybody would kind of pick on what everybody else was eating. Really, you're going to eat that salami sandwich. <laughs> you know, and you I get a kind of little view into the person's life. And and even now with my team, it's, it's a smaller team than I'm used to. There are six of us all together. But even as, as the broader team, you know, kind of my peers, as you have these conversations and you have these meetings, and I'm a big stickler for having the video going, and a lot of people don't, oh, you know, I don't like themselves on video or they think that, you know, bad hair day. But I think it's important to have them on because as you watch the toddler walk into the room while mommy's trying to make her point on a conference call or the dog is, you know, there or, you know, the husband pops in and, oops, sorry, you didn't know what you were on the screen, it, it gives you another line of sight into what's happening right. in that person's world. And it's important. It's important to understand what they're juggling. You know, I'll share a story that when I first came to Charleston, I was staying at a friend's house while I was looking for my place to live. And it was furnished. And the little working office that I was working out of had bunk beds in it. So when I did my team meeting or my virtual meeting with the senior staff, you know, one guy jokingly remarked, hey, are you calling in from your dorm room? you know, which set off the whole conversation. And, you know, but then, yeah, what are you doing there? Where are you living? And, again, it just adds that other layer of humanness into it. And right. I think that that's really important because it's still that bond building. And, you know, you do get emails later on after the call or, or you know, a, a text or, or a message. And tell me more about where you're living or, you know, you know good luck with the move or whatever. And it, it just does, I think, deepen the bonds and help to, connect you to those that are not sitting in the same room or in the same building or in the same state. That's right. Because the, the one of the problems that people report with working remotely is that some people feel lonely. Of course, other people are happy not to be having the commute and have working in the open office space and so forth. 
It's just, you're, you just hit on, I think the issue is building relationships. It just has to be done a different way, and that means you just have to be intentional about it. It's not going to happen if you don't, you know, ha- like you were giving the example of the monthly happy hour or the monthly lunch, and even if you do, or in front of the video eating and drinking, which is a little weird, but doing it so you're going through this, you're having this shared experience, which is going to build the relationships on the team. So that's so cool. So I heard you had a really cool holiday party with your remote team. Why don't you tell people about that? I think they'll get inspired to have really good holiday parties. Or you doesn't have you don't have to wait till Christmas. You might do it. No, you can do it any time. Day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you could just do a team win or Christmas in July. Yeah, I'm uh, not to sound braggadocio, but I'm particularly proud of that one because it just came together nicely. Um, you know, as many large organizations do, you know, the fourth quarter is always a, a rush to the finish line for sales. And, yeah, as a result, they're always watching budgets and, you know, there was a, a bit of a travel ban for, for non-client-facing personnel. So while we had intended mm-hmm. to have an end-of-year get-together in Atlanta, uh, it couldn't be had this year. So, you know, we were all a little disappointed. And I said, well, we can do it virtually. So we um, went ahead and I gave them menus and they ordered food and we ordered drink and um, we ordered a little craft. We all put together this little... Uh, succulent garden, um, and we did it all virtually. So we started off, and you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon, I I sent an email, ladies, start your ovens, um, so that they could heat <laughs> up whatever treats they were eating. Um, and it just happens that I do have a lot more females in marketing for some reason. Um, so I do mm-hmm. have all females on my team. Um, mm-hmm. Although I do, I have, I like the diversity. So we all got together, and you know, we were all sitting there and ugly. Christmas sweaters and, you know, chatting about what, what our plans were and who was getting on the road, who was staying home, what they were cooking, what they were eating. I sent a gift out to each of them. And it, it was just, we really had a fantastic time. And then, that, you know, as we were talking through it, you know, I was mentioning what, what else can we do as a team. And one of the ladies mm-hmm. said, how about if we did a walking club? You know, maybe every Thursday we can all dial into the same phone number and go for a walk around our neighborhoods and just talk about, you know. Uh, uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we all need we have more to get started for sure. Yeah, that is such a cool idea because it doesn't matter where you work. We, everybody, all of us knowledge workers, we need to be taking more walks. So what a cool idea. And then you're getting that from your report. So they're collaborating and they feel you know, that it's that you're going to be accepting of their suggestions. So mm-hmm. I like that holiday party idea. And all from the is the introvert paradise, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. As an introvert, I think the best the best thing. And the other tip I would offer Laura is also, you know, yes, you're the leader, you should absolutely set up I think it's important to set up this type of of a culture within your team. Um mm-hmm. You know, that sitting is the new cancer, right? We're supposed to be moving, and we're all so tied to our desks. I think it's important to let your team know that, look, if you guys want to go off on your own, I don't have to be a part of this all the time, right? So if you mm-hmm. want to have a virtual book club, if you want to have a virtual vent about session, <laughs> it's totally fine. Right. 
and go and have your walk and, and talk to each other because I think it's, you know, it's, it can't always be, you know, your boss in the room. Although we right. all get along, there's still that kind of dividing line. And I think it's important to honor and respect the team and let them go off and have, you know, their, their own approaches to staying in touch. And they do. I think that they, you know, I'll hear when I have my one-on-one serious conversations they're having or friendships they're making within the team. And, you know, and that's, that's encouraging. That is so good. I love that. Because you're, it's true, no matter how much you love and care about your boss, there are things that you want to talk about with your colleagues because you have more in common with them at the end of the day because you're you know, reporting to the same person and probably doing, if not similar tasks, tasks that need to be coordinated with one another. So that sounds so good. So I want to ask you something about your industry. Have you observe any communication issues that seem to be specific to the financial services industry or is that still a male dominated industry um is there any dynamic issues with men women in leadership yeah sadly <laughs> um yes and it's it's from you know from industry to industry organization to organization Look, at the end of the day, we're two separate genders, right, male and female, and, mm-hmm. and we each have our our own, you know, kind of approaches to communication. I would say, yes, financial services is still male-dominated. I, I think our CEO at XFX has done a very good job at diversifying leaders mm-hmm. at the top and has been bringing in more women, which is which is very well recognized and appreciated um, by most of us. But I think it is still difficult, and I think... There are still some women out there who unfortunately subscribe to the I have to be as hard as a man, right, to be to mm. win the respect and earn that kind of, you know, voice in the room. Um, and it's important to me as I, I was reading your email this morning and, and you know, kind of blogs and white papers, that whole, you know, you can own the room just by speaking mm-hmm. up. And the, I think bringing your authentic self to the table is, is key to that. I did um, have a... Yes. a, a yeah, I had a young woman that worked for me once, and she had very sharp elbows. And you know, I kept saying to her, "You're not. I don't. You know, you can't work that way." And she really wanted to fast track her way up the ladder. And she said, "Well, I've you know, I've watched this other woman, and that's how she got there." And I said, "Well, you know, to each his own." But my coaching would be, even if it takes a little bit longer, a couple more years. You want people to respect you. You don't want to be you know, leading by intimidation. You don't want that reputation. Oh. Um, I think I, I said you're not that type of person when you're one-on-one. You're not that type of person with the team. You're not the person, that person with your family. So why would you take on this other persona, you know, under the, oh, under the so misconception true. that you're going to be seen as you know, a man. Let the man be the man. And you can be yourself, right? That's right. Oscar Wilde said, you know, be yourself, everyone else is taken, and I, I also <laughs> think of that quote, so. That's so true, and this, it's funny that you mentioned that because this woman was actually hurting herself because by trying to be somebody else, it's like when, a, when an introvert tries to be this flaming, charismatic extrovert, it's just mm-hmm. exhausting, and, and then people... It's not that they say, oh, you're fake, but they just feel that something is not quite right about you because mm-hmm. you're not being yourself. And that ultimately will hold you back uh, more than any prejudice or lack of, you know, the, the glass ceiling 
well, sometimes it's, the glass is not that thick and you can crash it, but you can't crash it by trying to be something that you're not. And I guess and even if you did, then where, where would you be, you know, in this position, not feeling yourself? It would just, I don't know. I, uh, I yeah. took this, um, you know, my, the communication profession has a bad rap of being the spin doctors and the sugar coaters. And I took this character strength test by VIA Institute, V-I-A, and they, it's a free test if you Google it, VIA Institute, and you get your top character strengths. So these are character strengths, not strength strengths. They're like honesty, creativity, forthrightness, uh, courage. And my number one was honesty. And I thought, mm-hmm. that, that's, what, that's what it, that's what's so important today is that we have so much fake news, fake this, it's just what's really done to win at the end of the day is people being honest, sincere, authentic, because that's, that's what is so attractive and compelling about a person. So and thank yes, you for I think especially sharing. true in, in a virtual, right, in a virtual situation, because you're not always there to read the body language. So to have that authenticity between you and your colleagues, it, it is critical because everyone wants to feel that they're in a safe place, right, when they're having conversations with people at work. And right. the ability to share and know that that person is being honest, you know, and discreet in return, I think is critical. Yes. And, and then allowing the space for people to like let their hair down a little bit by mm-hmm. having the happy hour or the lunch or the some in some companies I've heard they have a minute where people go around and they can share something for like 30 seconds or a minute but I, I think to me it sounds more relaxing to have a happy hour at home <laughs> no traffic no crowds and just relax with your team for you know an hour so so this has been so interesting. Before we go, uh, are, do you have any other communication advice that you would leave for people? Well, obviously, my only tip would be to keep listening to Laura. Uh, yeah, I read your email this morning, <laughs> and, I, and that, that is a shameless plug, but it's true. As I was reading through your emails this morning and, the, and the, the ideas of having that voice in the room and asking a clarifying question or you know, sort of dovetailing onto someone else's point, thanking them for that suggestion and moving on, I think it helps add to that presence in the room mm-hmm. and it it's does. certainly part of the authenticity. So, But thank you again yes. for having me. This is wonderful. Well, it's been great, and we look forward to hearing more about your, your next soiree or bash will be with your <laughs> virtual team. I think that's a – it's really a great outlet for – uh, being creative and expressing that you care about people. And there's mm-hmm. that um, – oh, let me ask you something just before we go, because there's that kind of a con- conflict sometimes between caring and then being direct. So have you ever – because you're so close to your team, have you ever had a hard time, like, delivering a hard message? Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's happened. Um, and it takes, it's, it's, it's a challenge, right? And again, I'm sorry, I'm from New York, so I, I tend to be oh, a yes. more direct. <laughs> direct is my nature. Um, however, you know, having been on the receiving end of some, you know, bosses that weren't quite as patient or eloquent or what have you, 
Uh, I kind of learned along the way what not to do and how not to position conversations. But there are times when you're, you're talking past each other, and I think as a leader, a mentor, a coach, you need to, to step back and try to understand a little bit more where they're coming from. And, and sometimes it, it is that there's just a different, they're wired differently, right? And they're, they're, mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. not hearing you, you're not hearing them. Um, so you have to try to find a place in the middle where you can both come together. And it's not always that apparent, but I think if you take a step back and you really try to understand their work style and look at other things right. beyond communication, but just how they approach their work and project, organized. Some people are a bit more scattered and abstract, and that's okay. It's, it's, as long as you have that understanding of, okay, this is how they come to this. They start in the middle, not the beginning. You can then yes. forge that common ground and say, all right, this is what I see when I observe your work style. This is my work style. Neither is you know, better or the right way. It's different. So how do we meet in the middle to make this conversation a bit clearer? I love that. I, I think that's just being compassionate and direct to me is the best is the best of everything because if if I know that you care about me, then you can tell me that I have spinach in my teeth or that I'm doing something weird with my uh, touching my face while I'm speaking because I know that the relationship is there. So I right. think that's And I think it's important because awesome. you can end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which is not what you want. You could have a person right. who has the skill, but if you don't have the patience to sort of walk them through and coach them through how to better articulate and communicate themselves, you know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of bosses will become frustrated very quickly and you say that uh, they're not a fit. And that that's not the case. It could be just that two of you have a communication crisis here right. between uh, your styles, and it can be flexible. I think, as a communication specialist yourself, you, you certainly would. Um, I think tell me that yes, the, the, everything in communications is fixable, right? You just yes, take a little time, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right, and not letting emotion. Emotions are important, but they can. They're not reliable guides, and certainly saying things when you're irritated is um, <laughs> risky business. To yes. put it mildly, yes. it's important to take the yeah. uh, the emotion out of things at times, so you can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. be more productive for sure. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Tricia. This has been great. I'm sure our, our audience is going to learn so much about financial services communication and what it's like to work with these big companies. And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether you work for, you know, the hardware store on the corner or Citibank, you know, the communication problems tend to be the same because people are people. So thank you so much. Well, thanks again, Barb. I appreciate it. All right. So until the next episode of the Secret Podcast with Laura Camacho, I'm signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye.